Hello, everyone. Before we get into the episode proper, just a quick content warning on this one. The third episode we're going to talk about today features suicide, and it is treated as a dark comic uh, element. So that that is the tone the show goes with. We treat it a little more seriously than the show, but that is part of today's episode. When we get to that part of the content, you, you, uh, we'll, we'll raise another flag for you, but go ahead and make an informed decision. And now, onto the show. Get busy living or get busy dying. Welcome back to Bizarre Podcast, Dogs Must Die. My name is Grant, you can call him Chip, and today we are talking about episodes four through six of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Stone Ocean. The naming convention of part part six is a little weird, because we're in the Visitor 2 of mm-hmm. 2, yes. but it's a three-parter? <laughs> is it? Because like the three episodes we're talking about today... Mm-hmm. are definitely three single fight episodes. Yeah, I suppose so. But there is a wrinkle uh, uh, here oh, that, yeah. that oh, will yeah. make itself known. Yeah. So yeah, we, we start off with a little recap of what happened in the previous episode, mainly uh, the little kid warning Jolene to not go into mm-hmm, the visitation mm-hmm. room. Bad shit's going to happen. Uh, and bad shit's happening. We catch up to that bad shit. Yeah, Jotaro has a bullet in him, and he is still in command of the situation. <laughs> like we've had more post uh, Jotaro Jojos than than pre. Like he is firmly in the past, but we never undercut just how fucking cool he is. <laughs> yeah, he's a dad now, and that has not made him less cool. <laughs> An impossible feat. Have you ever met a dad? Are they cool? Are you being honest with yourself? A dad cannot be cool. I'm sorry. Uh, so so this stand that is one that will never be named in dialogue mm-hmm. uh, floats into the room, and we learn that it redirects bullets fired at it while acting as a spotter by uh, uh, reading the air currents in sort of a extremely passive radar situation. Yeah. Oh, actually, no, this stand is named once by John Gallier. Oh, he does say it out loud? Yeah, yeah. I th- I really thought it was one that's only named in the, the like, eye-catch title card. No, yeah, he says it once, and that's the only time. <laughs> but yeah, the, that little stand has... Uh, drifted through the little viewing window of the door and is in the room with them now. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Jotaro's still being cool and calculated about how to deal with all this, and Jolene does not listen. <laughs> it's time to shoot little Spider-Man webs out of her fingers at the thing to see what it does. Just absolutely everywhere. Seems completely useless, but the look on her face says, there's a plan here. Mm-hmm. But we don't know what it is because we have to watch the OP. Back at it! Mm-hmm. We join our antagonist here, John Gallier, with his gun all wrapped up, kind of disguised as a crutch, I guess? Yeah. Because it's just like the bare-bones skeleton of a sniper rifle. It's it's like the, the gun in Day of the Condor, right? Yes. For easier smuggling, I guess. Mm-hmm. 
And yeah, he was just sitting by a window waiting for a guard to walk by. Uh, and he pulls apart some parts of his little walking stick thing here to assemble it into the gun. And we get a little Jojo villain monologue mm-hmm. about his abilities. Uh, and these are all just basically his, well, part of his stand, but also just his extremely good normal human sniper abilities. <laughs> He's such an incredible sniper because he recites this litany about not trusting muscle because muscle will betray you. Instead, I support the rifle with bone. Yes. I will put my <laughs> elbow on on the windowsill. This this is an advanced sniper technique. Yeah. Uh, uh, John Gallier's Japanese voice uh, voiced uh, Akito Takagi in Bakuman. Okay. Uh, Daichi Sawaruma in Haikyuu, and dubbed Oliver Queen in Arrow, baby. All nine? I think it got nine seasons? Oh, wow. I don't know how many got Japanese dubs, but there you go. Consistent work. <laughs> while, while John Gallier's English voice is Shoto in My Hero Academia, hmm. and Ken in Street Fighter Six. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's the new Ken. He's the new Ken. No longer will Ken be voiced by a guy who believes in QAnon. <laughs> <laughs> so in order to like further demonstrate his incredible mastery over the bullet like <laughs> he he catches the, the ejected brass and mm-hmm. then drops it at the perfect moment to pin a housefly to the concrete <laughs> floor yeah so i everything he's saying must catch must check out like it's clearly working for him he knows yeah. what he's doing john gallier is, you know, kind of readjusting the gun a bit. Uh, we get to see, like, his stand vision, I suppose. Yes. That lets him see the air currents, which is like, it's almost like night vision mode where everything that is not important is basically pure black and the currents mm-hmm. show up as like a, a very grainy, bright green. Um, yeah, he, he's seeing people and objects and things as like little green particles. Mm-hmm. If you zoom in really, really close, you'll see Matrix language. <laughs> yeah, and this is this is where he names his stand. He he continues the monologue about how he can detect two people in that waiting room, both Joe stars, and how he can't wait to take out two whole Joe stars mm-hmm, today mm-hmm. with the power of his downtown transfer. <laughs> Manhattan Transfer, <laughs> the actual name. Manhattan Transfer, uh, just one of those bands that will never die and never be terribly popular, but always be around, yep. named for rail infrastructure. And if that's what you're after, I'll, I'll stick with Trans-Siberian Orchestra, personally. But <laughs> John Gallier is, has got to slay the Joe Stars to, to avenge Dio so his life can begin. Mm-hmm. He's been waiting about 25 years for his life to begin. Yeah. His teenage ennui started when he was like 10. Yeah. And like, <laughs> what, one of the things he says here is just like, okay, his life will finally begin once he gets revenge here. Because he, he has to kill the Joe Stars because they killed Dio, who he never personally met face to face well why would dio want a kid yeah that's true why did dio want a baby i i can't answer yeah, these right? questions but <laughs> and he calls dio his he 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 calls dio his heart's support that he's been robbed of mm-hmm, you never mm-hmm. met him <laughs> you were playing with ninja turtles when dio <laughs> died <What's... laughs> get a hobby 
His hobby is hunting Joestars, oh, and he's man. been very ineffective at it. We've seen a lot of people almost kill Joestars. It was never you. Yeah. I don't know what your problem is. Oh, man. So we cut back to the Joestars, and yes. Jolene yes. has used two threads to grab uh, a lighter, a little mm-hmm. little handheld lighter, to, and uh, light it and hold it up to one of the sprinklers on the ceiling so that, you know, it triggers it and it just starts spraying water and everything all over the place. Yeah, so so all of the water shower will just be like noise in the signal-to-noise sense, like yeah. blinding Manhattan transfer and therefore John Collier. Ha-ha. But it doesn't work because the stand is just like dancing around between the drops, which demonstrates how, like, it's still seeing perfectly clearly. yeah. Like it's a good idea, I guess. Yeah, I like the animation of it, uh, mm-hmm. like, dodging every single water drop. And Jolene replies, well, this blows. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, shit, out of ideas. Thankfully, the weird, mysterious little boy is back. The little baby baseball boy is here, and he gives uh, uh, some more advice. Specifically, do structural damage to the room. Yeah. Why, why don't you kick this concrete block and see what happens? Yeah. There's... I swear there's a one-up mushroom hidden in there. <laughs> or wall chi- or uh, yeah, wall chicken maybe for mm, Chitaro. But yes, there is a like support pillar in that room and the base of it, Jolene is instructed to kick it hard to just slide it out of the way, which reveals a secret passageway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, the, so the stand, so Manhattan Transfer, sees this tunnel and is like, well, I got to find out what's going on there and swoops inside to chase the little baseball boy. Yes. And Jotaro's just like, okay, time to get the fuck out of here. Let's go in the little secret passageway. And Jolene turns around, smashes the uh, the little axe, the little panel for opening the door mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and just decides, hey, I'm actually going back further into the prison to go after that stand because uh, one, that little boy helped me. Two, I think that little boy is going to get sniped. <laughs> and this is this is the first time I've called Jolene Jojo in my notes because th- this is that moment, right? Yeah. Like, I'm not going to safety. I'm I'm not going to to run away with you, old man. I have to save this mysterious child. Yeah, she she describes to Jotaro this kid like when he grabbed her arm earlier. She felt the the need to protect that kid, like the lo- the warmth of his little hand and all this stuff. <laughs> In that moment, I could tell he really needed me. So I gotta save this kid. He gave me a bone. So she rushes out, and of course she can't find him. I'm watching this in October. I've never seen anyone in a Cubs uniform in October. What are you talking about? <laughs> and he's not in his favorite place, the garbage can. So uh, uh, she she investigates. She looks carefully and sees that this plate holding a uh, uh, fire extinguisher, like a, a little cubby, is loose. And so she lifts it and reveals another secret tunnel behind that. There, there is salvation in fire safety. <laughs> <laughs> this kid has been so busy digging holes. Meanwhile, John Gallier vows to first kill the child, because then his targets will be defenseless. I think it's really funny in the dialogue that John Gallier, like, yeah, he vows, hey, I gotta kill that kid before he leads the Joe Stars to, you know, safety or, or escape or somewhere my bullets can't reach. But at the same time, he calls him little guy, which just sounds <laughs> affectionate to me. Come 
on, little guy. I just want to kill you a little bit. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Come on, slugger. Come on, champ. <laughs> Maybe this is why John Gallier has never been seen before. He's just been killing all of, like, Joseph's business uh, uh, contacts. And <laughs> yeah. We're on the fourth rosis, but we, we just don't know it as the audience. Yeah. Uh, so Jotaro has finally gotten up, uh, and he is standing just outside of the visitation room. Uh, and he's basically just doing his whole, oh, good grief routine here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. One of the, the wardens or, or security guards or whatever spots him and says, hey, what the fuck are you doing? And Jotaro just goes, ah, boy. And then he just disappears. <laughs> he just he freezes time to avoid talking to a guy and Jotaro has never been more relatable. <laughs> I... Yeah. So, yeah, Jolene is crawling through this weird little secret passageway, which mm -hmm. leads to uh this this great big utility room with yeah. like pipes of indeterminate purpose and there there are gauges and steam and you 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 can imagine it you've probably uh shot so many people in uh, uh fps levels that look just like this oh yeah there, there's uh, also <laughs> there's also plenty of movies that end with some type of melee fight in one of these rooms mm -hmm, especially mm -hmm. in the 80s and so she watches a uh, little slugger flush himself through a big pipe like a realistic Mario. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Jolene immediately catches on to what this kid is doing. He's hiding. He, he's having the water carry him away. And also, while being carried away in this pipe, there's essentially no air currents. It's all water. But Jean Gallier's got a plan for that. Some shots start coming through the ventilation fan near the ceiling, bouncing off of Manhattan Transfer and into the large bolts holding the pipe together, yes. popping them out so that the pipe bursts open and uh, uh, our, our big brave boy uh, has a water slide effect down out of it. <laughs> yeah. We, we hear some more, like, real-time calculations about uh, wind speed and direction and bullet drop. So, of course, I had to check these numbers. <laughs> yeah. How, how do they check out? So, uh, he mentions that at 321 meters range, he uh, has to accommodate for a 9.5 centimeter bullet drop. Mm -hmm. The standard, like your average bullet drop, is around 25 centimeters for 300 meters distance. Okay. It's a special gun. It's a special gun that that has a higher muzzle velocity than any gun ever made. Like <laughs> tank tank rounds, just for a baseline, tank rounds, which are faster than rifle rounds, mm -hmm. uh, uh, have a muzzle velocity of about 1,700 meters per second. Okay. John Gallier's gun, <laughs> uh, uh, like only taking muzzle velocity and gravity into account. Like this is... We're not talking about drag, like assume a spherical cow in, in a vacuum, right? Right. But just with those numbers, a 9.5 centimeter bullet drop implies either a 2309 meters per second muscle velocity <laughs> under real gravity uh -huh. or uh, 2793 meters per second in JoJo's gravity as previously revealed to be 14 meters per second per second. <laughs> Right, I forgot about that. I'm glad we still have that number to factor into any further calculations. I will never forget. Ah, oh, that's <laughs> that great. When Jojo fell, that when uh, uh, Joseph Jojo fell down off that cliff. Yeah. He <laughs> definitively stated gravity is 14 meters per second squared. Oh, man. 
So what this means is John Gallier's uh, muzzle velocity in this rifle is on the low end, on the real gravity calculation, the escape velocity of the moon. He could shoot <laughs> a bullet off the moon and hit someone if he wanted to. Hell yeah. And you know, he probably could. It, it, yeah. it might take a little bit longer, but I bet, I bet he could shoot someone on Earth from the moon. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm just saying, there needs to be a, a JoJo at some point that is a sci-fi JoJo in the future. I want to see mm-hmm. JoJo's in space. You just want the return of cars. That's what I'm hearing. Maybe I want the return of cars. <laughs> do do it like a, a Star Trek the Motion Picture style, like a, a V'ger mm-hmm. thing. <laughs> yeah, it's, this mysterious godlike being comes back and calls himself Urs. <laughs> and if there's an eventual reveal. <laughs> My God. There's still Joe Stars. Fuck! <laughs> what the fuck is a stand? I'm just turning into fish. <laughs> oh, man. My whole power set outdated. So Jolene sees the, that her ally is is in great trouble. So she drops out of cover in this, this vent up uh, 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 up high and weaves a net of strings to, to catch this stand. So John Gallier is like, okay, I will aim at you instead. Let, let me rattle off some numbers, fire a shot. And a beam of light goes through her head like fucking Giran Zavi on Abawaku. <laughs> yep. yep. Damn. <laughs> but guess what? JoJo's trick. Ah. <laughs> As Jolene was climbing down this shaft, she busted one of the pipes near her which has gas flowing through it and the mm-hmm. the the gas spreading out near her was enough to create its own airflow and and disturb the air currents in a way that John Gallier could not detect uh which caused him to miscalculate and fire the bullet just a few inches away from her head so it just sort of grazed her and she's fine she's great there is a gas leak filling this room. It's not the best long-term plan. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny because she she's explaining her whole JoJo's trick. And at the same time, like every couple of words, she goes, because <coughs> she's huffing a shitload of gas. <laughs> <laughs> so Stonefree uh, becomes the person version mm-hmm. and beats the shit out of Manhattan Transfer trapped in this net web. Yeah, just smashes it into little bits. Which uh, uh, knocks out John Gallier back in his cell, and now is when uh, we see that Manhattan slash downtown transfer title card. Mm-hmm. Yeah, back in the action, uh, Jolene is you know making sure this kid is is okay, and then she's, asking she's him. She's got a lot of questions. One of which is, "Are you okay?" But also, like, what the fuck is going on? What do you know? Who What's are you? What's this bone? What is this bone? No answers are given. Yeah, no answers are given. He he says one thing, and it's just ominous. In time, all things will be revealed. Also, never let go of that bone. <laughs> and this is when Jotaro catches up. He He's back. And so does John Gallier. <gasps> Jotaro doesn't believe it, but Jolene sees him. Is sure she sees him, which is so strange. It's so strange mm-hmm. because, like, his whole thing is careful observation. What? Why don't you see the guy? But... He does say that he trusts Jolene, and it's just like, oh, heartbreaking. He's trying. He's finally mm-hmm. there. It took, what, 18 fucking years for you to make an effort? Yeah, right? 
But he's doing it. He's doing it when it matters. Yeah. It like, would have mattered a lot of previous times, though. And it's like, yeah, Jotaro says, you know, it makes no sense that John Gallier could get here this quickly. You know, there's so much shit in the way from where he was to here. 321 meters worth. Yeah, but he's got to be here if you say so. You know, John Gallier was on the floor with them, hiding behind some some stuff further back in the room. But then jo- Jolene sees him again, and he is in the ceiling in that shaft that she had just climbed down from. And he's about to pull the trigger and shoot Jotaro. Uh, and this is when Jotaro's just like, I, I believe you. Fucking hold on to your pants. I'm going to do something cool. There's going to be an explosion. <laughs> and without turning around or looking at anything, uh, Star Platinum pops out and like backhands a whole bunch of pipes on the wall while his Stardust Crusaders like JoJo theme starts playing, which we haven't heard in quite a while. And it's the pipes. It's the same gas pipes that Jolene had busted earlier from a different location. Uh, and it just builds up a whole bunch of pressure and explodes. And John mm-hmm. Gallier falls out of the ceiling, a burnt corpse. <laughs> uh, and now the real surprise of, like, Jotaro's unobservantness. He doesn't even know there is a little baby baseball boy. Yeah. The, the idea of such a thing is news to him. Yeah. Jolene keeps trying to explain to him, like, hey, don't you remember me bringing up that kid and all that shit? Like, she starts looking for him, and he's just gone. Jodoro doesn't know who the hell she's looking for. There's this sloshing, like, groaning, hungry noise that starts here and grows throughout this scene. Yeah. It's very, very gross background noise with no... A uh, clear visual component, uh, but it turns out that neither of them got shot. They really yes. thought they got shot. They saw each other get shot. They don't look shot anymore. Yeah, like the instant uh, a few scenes ago when Jotaro stops time to avoid having to talk to a guy. From that scene onwards, Jotaro has no bullet wound anymore. He's just fine. Uh, and yeah, Jolene also has no bullet wound anymore, and she notices this, and she's getting freaked out as to what the fuck is going on now. And John Gallier down on the ground isn't John Gallier. It's the asshole guard from the visitation and previously the library scene. Mm-hmm. Jolene shouts about like, hey, you you came here through like the secret passageway, right? And Jotaro's just like, what? What secret passageway? And... For a couple shots now, you can see a, a little detail on Jotaro in that he has some type of weird liquid just like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on the top of his hat, on his shoulders. And when Jolene gets starts getting confused, you get this shot of just Jotaro just kind of staring blankly at her. And you can see just a little bit that the wall behind him is kind of like shifting just a little bit, just like warping. And by the time you get to the point that Jotaro says he's never even heard the name John Gallier, uh, uh, like it's clear that these drops aren't just water. For yeah. instance, the dead guard melts into ooze. He yes. becomes purple goop. Uh, and Jolene is starting to lose it. She looks at her hands, and her hands are also turning into that ooze. Uh, Jotaro suddenly has that bullet wound again and ooze is spurting out of it she remembers the little kid saying hey you're gonna die in a real bad way (laughs) (laughs) 
And she remembers back to uh, near the end of the previous episode where she went to like, you know, ask for a guard to let her out. And all of a sudden her handcuffs were gone. Mm -hmm. And she remembers like, hey, getting shot. I'm not shot, though. What's happening? Did anything happen? For like the last two minutes or whatever, which is what an episode and a half takes in this show. (laughs) Yeah. This is when she just declares like, oh shit, this isn't reality. And everything around her, the the entire background just starts warping and drooping and melting and turning into this weird Mm -hmm. ooze. And she wakes up covered in goop in the visitation room with with her handcuffs and, and all. Uh, so, yeah, we have to ask, is Manhattan Transfer even real? Did they ever appear on the Pentatonix Christmas album? <laughs> yeah. Who could say? So Jolene and Jotaro are just both slumped over on the table in the visitation room. Jotaro is unconscious, and Jolene b- tries to piece together what is real and isn't. Mm-hmm, she mm-hmm. definitely assaulted the guard because he's on the ground unconscious. Yes. John Gallier appears to be real because there's a Polaroid of him floating across the table on top of some ooze. So the unreal stuff happened somewhere in between getting told about John Gallier and standing up from the table where she noticed that the handcuffs were gone and suddenly there's a lit cigarette that nobody lit. Yeah. Somewhere in that very short window of time. But she's she's aware of this. She's able to to think these thoughts because of that bone she was given. Yeah. The bone that is not magic in any way, it's just really sharp. So if you squeeze it inside a, a stressful dream, it cuts your hand, which wakes you up. Mm-hmm. That's that's what it is. He, thank thank he you, Magic. He could have given her anything really pointy. <laughs> yeah. But he gave her a, a human bone, <laughs> I guess, ruining a reveal from later. Uh, but... <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> It's the it's the perfect escape from dream traps. Uh, so she struggles to like summon Stone Free in order to to get out of this while her her life is being sapped away from her by goo. Goo. Uh, <laughs> to be continued, I guess. In in episode five, Prisoner of Love, which starts right off with the OP. Mm-hmm. And then the furniture collapses, which finally wakes Jotaro up as he falls to the ground. Yep. And Jotaro's immediately, you know, just like, oh, shit, that was all a dream, wasn't it? Jolene, who can't muster any more strength, it asks her dad, like, you know, use your strength to, to bust open the door and get us out of here. Come on, dad, use Star Platinum. So he does. He busts the, uh, the control panel, starts to crawl out. Uh, and just as he opens the door about halfway he stops and says, did you just fucking call my stand star platinum? <laughs> you don't know that. I've never told my daughter about my stand. This is the real Jotaro show. This is what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, so yes, Jotaro begins to piece together as well that he is not in reality. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, the, I, there's a nice little transition here where you're getting a bunch of ooze wipes. In each ooze, layer of wh- ooze is like something that happened in in the the very recent past that wasn't real until eventually Jotaro does wake up and he wakes up with stone free strings circling his noggin. What does that do? I don't know. I think it gave him a little tickle or a little squeeze. <laughs> okay, 
that's fine. Yeah. Uh, so we have to to determine some very important questions like, is it possible for either of us, of us to move? Are we awake finally? Who could say? No one knows. <laughs> yeah. Jolene believes that they are in reality because neither of them can move and reality sucks. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. This, this is the the angsty teenager of the 90s and 2000s. Yeah, it's great. So Jotaro has a plan. He has a plan. It's like, hey, so back before we passed out, we had determined that you have a stand. I would like to see it. I would like to see you bring it out in this exact spot, a little to the left, a little for ep, ep, perfect. And then out comes Star Platinum, clock Stone Free hard in the jaw in order to launch it, in order to launch Jolene with it, mm-hmm. into the door control panel, breaking it open <laughs> and opening the door. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a pretty it's pretty good animation of, of Jolene and Stone Free getting clocked in the jaw by her dad's fucking stand. Uh <laughs> Based on past experience, Jolene should be dead. <laughs> yeah. And I like the bit here, which is Jolene just sits there for a bit and goes, fuck, that really hurt. You bastard. I am so pissed off right now. There's no way this can be a dream. Good dad points revoked. No, no. <laughs> yeah. The I trust you thing wasn't even really you. I'm so cheated right now. Yeah. And so they're finally able to escape from the, the goo room. The goom. The goom. That's right. By the way, I never point out that, like, you know, Jotaro still has a big chain hanging from his collar, but uh, it the chain ends in a big fish hook now. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, they even pull out the unconscious prison guard out of the goom so he doesn't get melted. You could have just left him. Wouldn't have felt that bad. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen how bad every cop is in JoJo? <laughs> but yeah, uh, Jolene pulls out the bone that woke her mm-hmm. up and says, hey, do you know what the fuck this is? Uh, and Jotaro, who knows everything now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he identifies the bone. It's the sacrum. Uh, it, yes. it is is a pelvic bone. bone. Yeah, the butt bone. It appears to be a woman's butt bone. And also he determines it looks like it's been dissolved in acid. You're a fish scientist. You're not the expert here. You can't just say things. I love that Jotaro the fish scientist is also the ultimate detective. It owns. (laughs) (laughs) Being smart about fish is all you need to be a good detective. Uh, So the sacrum, in addition to being like where the the spine connects to the pelvis uh, and where the tailbone connects on the other end, etc., is also the seat of the sacral chakra. Uh, it is the mm. second energy center among the seven vital chakras mm-hmm. associated with the, uh, the bladder, kidneys, reproductive organs, uh, the element of water, uh, flow, flexibility, uh, change and transformation in life, creativity, uh, uh, sensuality, and pleasure. Mm. Uh, there's a whole lot of sexual energy that is rooted in the sacral chakra. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is going anywhere, but I'm just hedging my bets just in case we're, we're getting... <laughs> Right. It wouldn't be entirely out of place. No, no. Rocky has done stuff like that before. So, yeah. Anyways, Code 909, some fuckers are escaping. Uh, Jotaro is officially in trouble for, for breaking into prison in order to break someone out. Yep. The The first thing he con- wants to confirm before they do anything else is, Jolene, do you still have the magic stand-giving pendant? 
You do? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Great. Time to break out. So uh, there are goo fingers in the goo room? Yeah, and we hear the voice of the goo fingers go like, wow, I can't believe they got on my trap. But if I do it in the correct voice, it's, wow, I can't believe they escaped my trap. <laughs> <laughs> I love the voice of the goo fingers. So Jotaro has a map, which is another reason that I love him dearly, because yeah. maps are good. He, <laughs> he narrates via map overlay the plan to, to you know get out of the building, get out a window, get to the beach. And a Speedwagon Foundation submersible will be waiting for them. Yes. And I love that Jotaro, like, really downplays his connection to the Speedwagon Foundation. He just says, I have a little connection with a place called the Speedwagon (laughs) Foundation. (laughs) What are you talking about? You're like... (laughs) Which Jolene has never heard of. Yeah. So, yeah, that explains why her lawyer was shit. Like, come on, come on. Speedwagons. An yeah. ounce of lawyer is worth a pound of submarine. You could have fixed this before it was a problem. <laughs> yeah. You've covered up so many real crimes. Yeah. Monthly, you have to do something to cover up your previous association with Nazis. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not saying he shouldn't have. I'm just saying Polar F really did kill that guy, and you made it go away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jolene did nothing wrong! Does Jotaro know that Polnareff is a turtle now? (laughs) Has he had... Has there been Speedwagon Foundation seminars or meetings where Polnareff as a turtle is giving presentations and he's stepping on the little clicker with his little little turtle foot? He's gotta pick up the pointer with his little turtle mouth. Yeah! (laughs) And he'd still be able to talk okay because his ghost would just pop halfway out the turtle. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh man so they're so they're rushing out down the hallway and there is like in so many buildings that make you wonder who planned this shit out a like three-step staircase yes <laughs> one of those shitty little staircases meant to fuck you up and, and it fucks jolene it fucks up, up. <laughs> yeah she, she doesn't see it coming she trips and falls and uh there there is like a slow motion insert of uh, uh, Jotaro, like, plucking the pendant from her as she falls. Not catching her. She, yeah. she fucking falls. Yeah. And then Jotaro comes down and is like, hey, buddy, you all right? Let me extend my hand and help you up. And Jolene thinks, she thinks she's getting the first moment of fatherly kindness in her life. And she melts and she blushes. It's yeah. like... Something she's clearly always wanted, no matter how much she will say otherwise. And then Jotaro, psych, psych fuck off. <laughs> and then Jotaro goes, "No, I wasn't offering to help you up. My hand has the magic pendant in it, and I want to give it back to you and say this is really important. And don't fall and break this thing. <laughs> Be more careful." Jolene, you know, just a look of disappointment and sadness on her face. Flashback to that other time she got sent to jail. And just hearing her mom on the phone going like, why the fuck are you going to Japan right now? Your daughter needs you. And What kind of father are you? Yeah. <laughs> Jotaro sucks as a dad. So back in the present, you know, uh, we're, we're out of our like leotard and pants falling down outfit. <laughs> yeah. How, how does she walk in those pants? I, I don't, don't know. know. 
Uh, she just goes off on a monologue about, you're like, fuck you, dad, fuck all dads, fuckdads.com. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And she gets a little, like, kind of sarcastic, petty sounding, and then, uh, you know, has a big, you know, mood swing from just being like, oops, clumsy me, to fuck you. And she throws the pendant at him. She's like, if it's that fucking important, you keep, you know, you hold it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Jotaro, not wounded or anything by this, immediately goes into battle mode and goes, hey, there's a guy following us. Haven't you noticed? Get the fuck down. <laughs> and they are being followed by uh, a guard who looks at a gate that's been twisted into a pretzel and thinks, this doesn't mean anything. <laughs> and then a second guard comes around the corner and is like, it might, though. <laughs> and then that guard's head uh, explodes because he gets shot point blank in the back of the head by the, the other first guard. first guard wasn't a guard at all. Is John Gallier in a stolen guard uniform. Yep. He's walking around with a silenced pistol. So Manhattan Transfer is here, and everything we learned in Jolene's dream is true and real. Like, mm. it was recombining real things to make an unreal like a, a simulation yeah when she woke up from the dream i had a moment of like oh manhattan transfers real power is to trap people in dreams and convince it it has different powers yes which if that, that had is been not a, the case if that had been a thing <laughs> that would have also been a really cool stand but that is not the case here there's something extra going on but john gallier fires just rapid he's he dumps the whole magazine of his pistol at Jolene. yeah he he has a silenced uh, uh, uh semi-automatic pistol with him now F- fuck the sniper rifle we're done and so there's like eight bullets hurling towards jolene and she's just like right down the hallway because she didn't have time to hide behind the wall like her dad did or around the mm-hmm. corner she's just crouched below the really small set of stairs which is not very good cover <laughs> so Jotaro has to uh, stop time to deflect all of these bullets that are about to hit Jolene and this is when Jotaro realizes oh shit I am fucked there are two enemy stands here because mm-hmm, mm-hmm, there's goo fingers coming yep goo fingers out from behind yeah and Jotaro realizes this entire thing was not like this plan wasn't just to kill Jolene. He was the real target the entire time because Goo Fingers is crawling out of a vent onto the wall directly behind Jotaro. All of this was made, calculated so that Jotaro had to stop time and would be forced to save his daughter uh, mm-hmm. so that he'd be vulnerable to attack himself. And he just goes through with it because he doesn't want his daughter to die. So mm-hmm. he, he deflects all of the bullets. And this is when Goo Man starts talking basically trying to relish the moment wishing saying he wishes he could take his time but he's got to do what he's got to do and he uses his goat goo hand and just kind of swipes four fingers across Jotaro's face uh and then two large gashes on Jotaro's head form one like across Mm -hmm. his nose and one across his forehead and two cds pop out of his head yes yes goo goo man has been named this stand is known as White Snake or mm-hmm. Pale Snake. Pa- Fine, I don't like the sound I of guess. Pale Snake. Uh, of course, uh, the the English blues rock band that got its success by becoming a very American hair metal band, mm-hmm. uh, and one of the horniest 
<laughs> yeah. It's really saying something, but they called one of their albums Slip It In. Like, yep. come on now. <laughs> yep. Uh, so, so White Snake is uh, a humanoid stand mm-hmm. that is in like primarily a, a sort of pale purple with a dark, v- very dark, uh, nearly black purple uh, uh, highlight clothes, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Basically kind of like pale white skin with like horizontal lines going across his whole body. Mm-hmm. And in between these lines are the repeating ATGC, like, DNA mm-hmm, mm-hmm. shit going across him. Um, he's a homestuck, yes. Yeah, he's a homestuck. No, but he... he. It's 2010. He's a homestuck. Oh, God, yeah, he is... Okay, <laughs> sure. Um, His eyes, his pupils are, like, the letter M, but mm-hmm. the letter M is also kind of evoking the... um the goo running down the walls. Yes, yes, that's, yes. That's basically what his pupils are, like that shape. Um, and they're kind of like a glowing, like kind of uh, gradient purple. His clothes, if you can call it that, are, are uh, in, in that nearly black, dark purple color of uh, uh, like wrestler's briefs, basically. Yeah. Which are connected by a strip several inches wide of the same like leathery material that goes up from his waist to a a collar, uh, uh, like a sort of pharaoh's collar mm-hmm. sort of thing, like like a yeah. manhole cover with a hole in the center for your neck dro- drooping over your your shoulders. Yeah, and the the collar has like golden spikes on it around mm-hmm, the whole mm-hmm. thing, and then his head. So imagine if he had Batman's cowl on. But the top yes. of it didn't turn into bat ears. It extended it turned into Sauron's crown. Yes, from the Lord yeah, of the Rings. yeah, yes. basically, yeah, Sauron's crown. <laughs> that's exactly what I was gonna say. Yeah, and that's that's basically White Snake. Yeah, he's got like built-in brass knuckles, as so many stands tend to do. Mm-hmm. You know, gladiator sandals and and yeah, uh, relatively small knee pads. Mm-hmm. Are those maybe just like the shadows of of his knees? I don't know. Might just be the shadows, actually, yeah. But, like, this dude definitely shops at the same store that Killer Queen does. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, these CDs eject out of Jotaro's head. I love that they're not perfectly round. Yes, they... Like, they they f- hold the contours of the face slice from which they are. Yeah. So like, there's a little nose nubbin on one, and, like... Yeah, they're, like, the exact size of the portion of the head that they came out of. And White Snake here is gloating that even the invincible Jotaro Kujo was no match for, you know, the power of White Snake. And he grabs the two CDs, which, by the way, have like the lettering disc on them, like an actual CD. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And he just grabs them and pulls them out of Jotaro's head. And when this happens, more bullets are fired by John Gallier. And Jolene yeah. is able to like punch and deflect a bunch, but not as many as Star Platinum can. Right. Which, so, so Jotaro gets hit in a few non-vital areas. Yeah. But then we get sort of a close-up on the goo CDs because they are also kind of gooey. Yeah. Yeah. Jolene <laughs> spots these being dragged by just the arm of White Snake as it's around the corner. And one of them has an image of Star Platinum existing ghostily within it, which probably means something bad. Mm-hmm. Like, Jolene punches the uh, window open uh, and shouts to her dad, like, I can see the shore, we're almost out, let's just book it and not deal with John Gallier. Jotaro is still alive, but 
clearly pretty fucked up. There's a giant mm-hmm. blood smear he's leaving on the wall. He says, just go on without me. Yeah, he's, he's planning to do the heroic last stand and, and cover her escape, right? Yeah. If there's two stands here, there's two anim- enemies. I came in unprepared, but I, I can protect you. Go right ahead. By the way, your little bug pendant has a radio transmitter, and a submarine's going to find wherever you are. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> he comforts her that, quote, I'm only bleeding a little. He got shot three times, and one of them is in the sternum. <laughs> yeah. The animation of when Jotaro takes, like, four bullets to random parts of his body feels really violent for some reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> More than normal in JoJo. I think it's just because he just stands there, and you can... The animation, like, each bullet pushes him back just a little bit, and you can feel, like, the bullets, like, sinking into him. Ugh. It's, there's something about it that grossed me out. But, yeah, I'm bleeding only a little. It's fine. I'll catch up to you in no time. And Jolene is... She's getting pretty worried. Mm-hmm. She realizes that, hey, did that other stand, like, take something from you? It seemed... I saw Star Platinum on a CD, and that seems really bad. <laughs> Uh, and that's when John Gale rounds the corner, is very close to Jolene, and fires off several more rounds, and they all miss. Mm-hmm. Because his gun is full of strings, and the strings have all diverted the bullets and in wild, wide curves like Hot Wheels track. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, ah, well, nevertheless... I'll just reload and shoot you some more, which is when he starts spinning like a top because more strings have been wrapped around his feet. And this is a Looney Tunes now. She's doing (laughs) a great grandpa move. Yeah, she's just spinning him around. She tells him to put his hands up and he does and tries to fire off one more shot because his stand is right above his gun and he's not able to fire a shot off uh, because he gets socked clean in the jaw by Stone Free. Gets just beat to shit. Uh, uh, he should be dead. We'll find out later he's not, but he should be dead right yeah. now. <laughs> jo- Jolene does like a, a a good grief Jotaro thing and explains, I didn't want you to drop your gun or anything. I just wanted you in a place that felt better to punch you in. Like I ju- <laughs> Like she punches him once and goes, I wanted you a little bit more to the left. And this is when he gets hit with the big old punch rush. And mm-hmm. as she's doing her whole aura aura, we go over to Jotaro, just hearing the auras happening. <laughs> and like his heart swells with Papa Pride. Yeah. Like he he's saying out loud, like, hey, when we were in that dream, like I know it wasn't re- it isn't real now, but I felt so proud of you when, you know, you said that you were gonna stay behind and save that child. You know, that tells me you're a real Joe Star. And then he goes to say one more thing, and we don't hear it. We just see his lips move. I don't read lips in Japanese. This does not help me. What is this? <laughs> yeah. And this is when he falls to the floor and slumps over. Meanwhile, uh, in the prison response, uh, they, they are now issuing, issuing both shoot-to-kill orders and dogs, and those don't mix. We, we know how this is going to end. Oh, yeah. All those dogs are not going to be alive by the end of the day. <laughs> What's the show called? Come on now. Come on. Come on. <laughs> so uh, uh, Jolene has woven a rope of her strings in order to drag her daddy to shore. Her gigantic dad. Yeah. <laughs> and she's thinking to herself, this is like five minutes ago is the first she's ever heard of the Speedwagon Foundation. But just the fact that they have... A submarine that can follow a radio beacon convinces her that they have better doctors than anyone anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
Like, someone's got to be able to fix my dad and all of these bullets that are riddling his body right now. And she's getting a little worried. She's not spotting the submarine or anything. Finally, it emerges. Like, holy shit, it's real. That's a submarine. Hey, dad, we made it. And it's a very, like, realistically uh, designed small submarine. It's it's like yeah. a, it's a bulbous two-seater, basically. It looks like it's meant for fish looking, actually. It does. It does. Yeah. Or maybe shipwreck poking. I don't know. Yeah. And as she turns to her dad to go like, hey, we made it. The submarine's here. Her dad has like... Oh, shit. You drowned your dad. You drowned your dad. Yeah. Why did you do he, that? He, he is... Yeah. He is underwater, you know, just in this kind of shallow puddle, enough to fully submerge his head. And he's not breathing. His eyes are open and glossed over. He is not moving. He's got no heartbeat, no breath. She begins performing CPR. And I think this part is very well directed. You know, the the music is like swelling and stuff when she's uh, giving him CPR. You know, she's trying to convince herself he he could not have died from this. All of the gunshot wounds were shallow Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. and none of them are like in the heart. It's like the shoulder and stuff like that. We get a little flashback of what Jotaro was saying earlier of, hey, Jolene, you can make it on your own. You got Joestar blood. You'll be fine on your own. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the CPR ain't doing anything. He's just dead. So the guards have found her, but they found her inside the fence behind them. And one really wants to shoot her real bad. Pretty please. Can I shoot the inmate? Come on. She's right there, though. (laughs) I brought my gun and everything. (laughs) It's been a day since I've shot anything that's alive. I want to shoot her. God, when I get anxious, I have to shoot a dog. It's the only thing that calms me down. Come on. Those are new dogs. They're fresh. Please. And, And so she's got her hands up. And wouldn't you know it? There's a long, long string extending from those fingers, and she is talking to the the baseball baby mm-hmm. uh, a long distance, like two string, two cans on the end of a string. Well, yep. it's just people, I guess. Uh, and <laughs> so she has this long, long distance conversation mm-hmm. <laughs> where uh, she she shares her plan to become, you know, the hunter, going after Mister Mushy, whoever he is. To get those discs back to save her dad, because uh, wh- whatever's wrong with them, it's not medical, it's mystical, and those those discs have got to be the key. Yeah. So yeah, she is vowed to stay in the prison, even though she could have escaped, because she wants to fuck this guy up and save her dad. Even though her dad sucks, she likes her dad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For some of this conversation, you get to see both of them like in a black void, as if they were talking to each other face to face. And this is when we finally learned the little kid's name. His name is Emporio. He's named for Emporio Armani, one of the lines of Armani, uh, uh, one of their ready-to-wear design imprints, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his last name, it hasn't come up yet, but just while I was checking this, his, his <laughs> I learned his last name is El Nino, a reference to El Nino. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, why not? <laughs> yep. At least that's what the wiki thinks. Uh, so <laughs> I buy it. Emporio's English voice is the new Shinji Ikari, who uh, uh, oh. say what you will about the Netflix Evangelion uh, sc- like English script. Mm-hmm. Sure. The actors are all fantastic, and they in particular are killing it. Mm-hmm. They also voice a laughing fox in 86, slightly more recently. Okay, yeah. 
while Emporio's Japanese voice plays Anya in Spy Family airing oh, now. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I love Spy Family. We heard her previously as Naoto in the, the Thus Spoke Rohan short. Oh, okay. Or, or the one episode Naoto is in. And uh, dubbed for Kate Bishop in the Hawkeye series. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Two Stone Ocean actors are also uh, Disney Plus Hawkeye uh, uh, series dub <laughs> actors. Yeah. Huh. And I haven't mentioned them all, but I think we're up to three Mad Max Fury Road people. Mm, okay. Something else Emporio says is that, oh yeah, that bone I gave you, that's from my mom. Mr. Mushy killed my mom. I got a, I got a mushed up mom. Yeah. He, his, his mom was in this prison and she gave birth to Emporio in prison. At some point after that, she got murdered by Mr. Mushy. And now he just lives like a raccoon in the walls, unnoticed and unseen. <laughs> yeah. He's a very weird child. But yeah, all he has left of his mom is bones. Where are the other bones? Where are the other if bones? If you're just giving away bones, what's where's the do you give them to all of your friends? Hmm. Is is this a special bone? <laughs> hmm. And at the end of their discussion, yeah, Jolene just states, you know, I am I am fucking staying in this prison mm-hmm. to to solve all of this. Here, have your mom's ass back. I don't need it yeah. anymore. It was very helpful. And then Jolene is surrounded by 13 million guards with shotguns. There are 14 guns and three dogs trained on her. Yeah. And while that seemed like that may have been the end, we had the credits rolling over and everything. Uh, there's one extra scene. John mm-hmm, Gallier mm-hmm. is still alive, just real fucked up. And White Snake approaches him and is like, hey, hey, buddy, you did a good job. I'm going to shoot you in the head now. Goodbye. (laughs) This feels so wild to me to see a stand kill somebody by picking up a normal gun and shooting them in the head. (laughs) But it closes, like, stands don't have fingerprints or whatever, Mm -hmm. except we saw that Star Platinum does have fingerprints. Well, he's special. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah, it, it just keeps White Snake and its user out of the conversation because it's just, yeah, this John Gallier staged a uh, uh, escape. Uh, Jolene apparently tried to take advantage of it, and and then uh, didn't. And that's the most likely explanation for the, the dead guard and this uh, uh, other prisoner in a guard uniform mm-hmm. who got shot somewhere. I uh, I'm not saying it's a clean cover story, but it's one that that doesn't make anyone think about punch ghosts. <laughs> yeah, like he he has to die of a very mundane cause. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, White Snake, you know, he has completed his plan. And all that, and we see him look at both discs that he took from Jotaro, and we finally see what's on the other disc. It's Jotaro. (laughs) That's probably also really bad. It's probably extremely bad, yeah. Will we learn more about that in episode six, Hermes's stickers? Kind of a little bit, actually. A little bit, yeah. It's, It's not a mystery for long. This starts with Emporio narrating more of the mysteries of the aquarium. Again, the the nickname for Green Dolphin Prison here. It really does remind you that this is the sixth episode, and I think we've heard the narrator once. Yes. A lot of the parts start narrator light, and then eventually it comes back. Mm -hmm. But that's usually when they, like, travel, you know? Yeah. There isn't a lot of potential for travel in the narrative so far. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Emporio's talking about uh, the aquarium... At some point, mystery and power were both birthed here. 
Hmm? But hmm. the mystery and power remain foggy. <laughs> yes. Hmm. So Jolene has had uh, five extra years added to her sentence. And she's been sent to the punishment ward. Oh, man. For punishment. <laughs> I hate the punishment What's ward. What's the rest of prison for? What are you talking about? <laughs> but yeah, uh, Jolene's stuck there for a little bit. And so she can't do anything with her plans quite yet. So in the meantime, Emporio's been meaning to look into something else. Uh, he's been meaning to check in on a different pri- prisoner, Hermes Costello. Who is lying unconscious, asleep, pantsless in the infirmary ward, mm-hmm. getting pickpocketed without pockets. Where does this cash come from? On, uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I know where she keeps it, and it's not where it was grabbed from. I <laughs> do not know. It's grabbed from her leg? <laughs> But but this momentary encounter is what wakes her up, and she looks onto her palm and sees that she is holding a sticker that looks like it comes from a sexy edition of Uno. <laughs> yeah. It, it is a, a pink square sticker with big old smoochy lips in the center, and inside it, like uh, uh, sort of as a border, is a... Uh, uh, sort of like a Ouroboros of arrows, right? It's kind uh, of like the, the Uno reverse uh, symbol. Yeah, or the retweet symbol on Twitter. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. That's that's what it is. Retweet that smooch. But now we get the OP. And after mm-hmm. that, Ermis starts remembering why she's there. She got cut by something. She got a fever and she passed out. And she's finally woken up after being in, uh, apparently asleep for her entire current prison stay. <laughs> yeah, she remembers. Uh, yeah, she she she's in for five years for burglary, uh, and she remembers uh, while waiting to be transferred to the prison, she picked something up in the meeting room, uh, mm-hmm. and it is the pendant that Jolene threw away. And then she sold it to to Quest for twenty bucks. Yep, but when she first picked it up, she got cut on her palm. And the cut is still there on her hand, uh, which is where the sticker is. Mm-hmm. And she looks at her palm again, and the sticker is there again. She rips off the sticker, another sticker appears. So she has to think of specific facts to prove to herself she's not in a dream. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> she, she does the, the little rhyme about Columbus in 1492, mm-hmm. and then she, she recites Bugs Bunny's birthday. Is this the correct birthday? It is, I mean, Bugs Bunny was never born, but it is the the date of, like, the, the premiere of the first short featuring the character of Bugs Bunny. Okay. So it's, the, like, the closest thing he has to one. However, this is a change from the manga, where it was the first appearance of Mickey Mouse. Yes. And I have to wonder if the change was made because, like, this is a, a co-production or a distribution deal or, or whatever with, like, Warner Brothers. Yeah, that's what I figured. Is Disney so litigious that you can't mention Mickey Mouse by name in your media property without their permission? I have no idea. Or did, like, the Warner deal just make them think, ah, let's talk about our actual corporate sponsors here? <laughs> yeah. Might as well. Mm-hmm. Coincidentally, that date uh, is also the, the publication date of the very first Billboard music sales chart. Hmm. Which I th- is kind of relevant to to this series. Uh, the the first number one single ever was "I'll Never Smile Again" by Tommy Dorsey and his orchestra. So Ermis gets confused because she thought she had already gotten rid of her the sticker. There's another mm-hmm. sticker on one of her shoes. She's a sticker factory. Yeah, she just keeps making stickers. 
And she's very confused because one of the stickers is on her shoe, and there's something off about these shoes. And she very slowly counts to three. Wait a minute, there's three shoes. Wait a minute, I have six fingers. <laughs> Give her a minute, she just woke up. Uh, yeah, okay. She's been fair. asleep for at least three days straight. That's, that's, that's fair, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, she suddenly has three shoes. One of her hands suddenly has six fingers on it. So she figures out, like, once she's a little less bleary-eyed, I guess, that uh, applying a sticker to something duplicates the object. And mm-hmm. removing the sticker, the, the the duplicate and the original will violently smash together and combine, uh, causing some damage to them. So, like, one of her shoes is pretty well worn now after it was two shoes for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when she goes back down to only one pinky finger, uh, some blood squirts out. When she really pieces it together is when her two bedpans slam together and and shower her in her own pee. Good morning, Hermes. <laughs> Yay! So nice to see you. I'm glad you rejoined the narrative. Yeah, you're covered in pee now. It's the only way for a JoJo character to make their entrance. <laughs> so yeah, Hermes is piecing together this standability. She doesn't know what the fuck's going on, but she does think, "Wow, this could be cool." <laughs> But all of the other ladies in the the uh, in the prison infirmary around her are getting fed up with her making all this noise. And like, you have not seen this woman awake for three, four days. Yeah. <laughs> Let's at least have a little sympathy. Maybe some surprise at that. Not, ah, shut up and go back to sleep. No, she slept enough. Yeah. So she decides to start using her powers for her own gain. Uh, mm-hmm. The janitor that pickpocketed her earlier... Uh, he had left his uh, mop propped up against the the bars that lead to the, the room she's in. So she makes a duplicate of that mop, hides it under the sheets with her, and when that guard, that janitor, grabs his own mop and starts walking away, she uh, removes the sticker and has the mop violently uh, <laughs> fly through the bars and rejoin with the other mop, g- crushing the man in between two high-velocity mops, <laughs> knocking him out and as she says to herself kick ass <laughs> yeah she's gonna g- grab the money back from him and she notices this guy that is knocked out has two giant cds sticking out of his head he has become a disc man of sorts whoa so she looks down at those cds is like i don't know what to do with these and you know what nobody knows what to do with physical media anymore but it's important mm-hmm. they can't revoke your license to a cd <laughs> It's true. Uh, And so before the guy is able to regain consciousness or anything, she grabs one of the discs and Mm -hmm. and just hides it away. And the guy wakes up and he's fine. Like nothing had happened. He just walks away. One thing I think is interesting is that the, the titular stickers of this episode, they emerge from the palm of her hand, which is where she got scratched, right? Mm hmm. And uh, the first time we see Jolene's strings, and many, many times since, they come out of her index finger, which is where she got poked. Yeah. And, like, the stand revolving around the, the contact with the, the arrow or arrow shard or whatever is, is an interesting thought that mm. is, I think, is new, but you can also, like, retrace it back, right? Like, mm. you, you can backdate it to things, like... Did Koichi get a, a noise stand because he was pierced through his larynx? Oh, yeah. Right? Right? Like, yeah. 
did, did Keicho like blood brother slash uh, uh, Okiasu's palm, and now he has the hand. Oh, man. That's a cool idea. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like that. I hadn't even really thought about that. So Ermis is, uh, now that she's out of the medical ward, she asks around about the janitor, and then she goes to uh, a bathroom to take a great a better look at this CD that she she took. Yes, yes. The CD is weird because one is thicker than a normal CD. It's squishy. And it's squishy. You can bend it and like mold it and stuff and it, it just takes back its normal shape. You cannot snap it. And then the next thing she notices at this while looking at this disc is like previously we had seen discs where, you know, the when it was getting light was shining on it you could see the image of like star platinum or jotaro on it this one she is straight up seeing full motion video on yeah yeah it's got playback without yeah. a player <laughs> amazing yeah and so she sees like the pov of of this guy unscrewing a false bar on some gate in in the prison and revealing his thousands of dollars of stolen cash <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's got five grand hidden away in a false bar and also sees the face of White Snake. Ah, ah! When she's looking at this disc, she's like looking at it really close, and she accidentally shunks the disc into her own head halfway. So it's trying to like become part of her, which yeah. is something. And and so she she's like screaming and struggling to try to pull it out of her own face and mm-hmm. throws it into the toilet. Hooray! Yeah. And right before she throws it in, like the you know, yeah, we see White Snake kind of peering around the bars and talking to this guy who is uh, White Snake refers to as friends and is asking for a favor. And this is when we learn the name of this janitor, McQueen. <laughs> as... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> White Snake has a heck of a voice on him. Yeah, he he never just says McQueen. He always says McQueen. <laughs> That reminds me of a radio ad that plays here all the time. Oh, yeah. Part of a, a class action against gig economy apps, right? Okay. And so you call this number or you, you text this number uh, with the word grub because one of the defendants is Grubhub. Hmm. The radio ad says grub exactly like <laughs> that. Uh, at least a dozen times over the 30 <laughs> seconds, and I feel like my brain is melting every time. Grub. Grub. <laughs> oh, man, that's going to be in my head all day now. <laughs> you want to get some grub later? Maybe, yeah. <laughs> so so McQueen is here. <laughs> uh, he has tracked down uh, Hermes because... He ha- and he's a little flattered because he says he has quote experience with stalking, mm-hmm. though he's never had a girl stalking him before. Hey, what are you in jail for, huh? Mm. Huh? Is it something gross? So to describe what McQueen looks like, mm-hmm. <laughs> take a normal man. <laughs> he's a remarkably normal man for JoJo's standards. Then just make him a little weird. Okay, <laughs> so he's got what looks like normal prisoners. Uh, garb, especially if uh-huh. he's running around as a janitor, but he's got a big leather codpiece on. Hell yeah, with studs for some reason. With studs, a studded leather codpiece over his normal pants. His normal pants have uh, belt buckles going down the legs from the, like the knee down, and he's got weird big dewy eyeballs sometimes. Sometimes he has very small pupils, depending on what his mood is. 
Um, and his hair, pretty normal, except that he's got one swooshy bang, kind of sort of implying a cue. And he's also got basically the McDonald golden arches next to his bangs <laughs> to make MQ for McQueen. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And also the collar of his shirt is really wide and low, and it kind of also almost makes it look like he tried to put pants on as a shirt. Yes. Yes, it does. The that collar is... looks like the waist of jeans. And his his breast pocket is clearly the back pocket of jeans. He yeah. has made a shirt out of pants. <laughs> yeah. That also explains the, the red tag. Like, I guess that's that's where the, the logo would be. Yeah, on jeans. Yes, he has absolutely yes, made a shirt out of jeans. he's wearing jeans for shirt. And yes. they're backwards, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this is what counts for normal. <laughs> yep. Uh, uh, so he is named for Alexander McQueen, the British fashion designer. Speaking of jeans, he's the reason that, uh, like super low rise jeans were huge in the 90s. Mm -hmm. He also invented the armadillo shoe. Oh, I guess that makes sense why his shirt looks like jeans then. (laughs) Looks like pants. Yeah. Makes sense. Okay, cool. His first name is Thunder. Thunder McQueen. Thunder McQueen. He is... Uh, I, I he which sounds like the star of like a direct to video Cars knockoff that, that's supposed to confuse grandma, but no. <laughs> but also he was named first. Yeah, yeah. That movie didn't come out till 06. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, oh, Thunder McQueen. Thunder McQueen. Oh, should we have had a content warning at the start of this episode? <laughs> uh, uh, I'll put one in, and yes, uh, this guy is why. Yeah. Yeah. So he he a crybaby. Mm-hmm. This man him him crybaby, and he has no memory. He does not know a lot of the stuff that uh, Hermes wants to ask him about. Uh, and he gives his whole Oscar reel in record time. This this man goes to the extreme of five different emotions. Oh yeah. Within a minute. Yep. Yeah. She's asking him, "Hey, you're the fucker who pickpocketed me, right?" And he's just like, "Oh, money. I remember something about money." I had $5,000 I hid somewhere, and I can't remember. And he, like, falls to the floor, and he's bawling and crying. And then Hermes is just, like, asking, like, hey, are you okay? I hope you're not messing with me. And he immediately starts, stops crying and goes, like, did you just ask me if I'm all right? You're so kind. <laughs> I, it's, I've never spoken to a woman like this before, or at all. <laughs> So yeah, he he has joy and pain and and sorrow and fear and then, out of nowhere, he immediately tries to hang himself with his belt. Yeah, in one of the open bathroom stalls. It, it's, it's basically that's so kind of you. You shouldn't waste kindness on a pathetic loser like me. Hangs himself. Uh, and as he begins to, you know, die, uh, Hermes has uh propellers grow out of her neck. Yes, ghostly, goopy-looking propellers just grow out of uh, her her neck and start lifting her up so that she is likewise being hung. Ah! Mm. Ah! Ah. So that Uh, brings us to the Met-Episode title card, where this stand is named Highway to Hell. Ah! Yep. Yep. Freeway through hell in the English. Except, (laughs) Except, at least when I watched it, there was a subtitle error. Yes, I noticed this too. And it just threw up GG Dolls user quests. <laughs> yes, that confused me for a second. 
because I was just like trying to remember the name of this stand, and then it popped up. GD Dolls is like, what? No. So Highway to Hell. Uh, there's not much to to say about it visually. It seems to just be a, a pink blob that replicates whatever uh, Thunder McQueen is doing him to himself to his target. Mm-hmm. So in this case, it is hoisting her and suffocating her by the neck, and we'll, we will see several other examples. But it it it's not a guy, and it's yeah. not anything cool looking. It's just kind of pink goo. Pink that, goo that, that forms little spikes with propellers at the end, yeah. Yeah, it, it just favors propellers for no good reason. I, I guess <laughs> for visual clarity that, oh no, this is the same effect as the choking, even though we're not there's no lift happening in this yeah, case. Yeah, it makes sense in, in the, the first time. Yeah, it makes sense the first time. <laughs> and the second time, too, I guess. But yeah, hi- Highway to Hell. Uh, welcome back, ACDC. We already talked about cars this week. There, Now it's your turn. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> back. <laughs> uh, also, Highway to Hell uh, uh, being featured in this media set in 2010. One of the most soundtracked songs out there, I swear. Just limiting it to movies released in the year 2010. Oh, my God. You heard Highway to Hell in Iron Man 2, Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief, and Megamind. Oh, my God. All these movies that Jolene can't see because she's in prison. Oh, man. (laughs) Really feel very bad Jolene can't see Megamind, just so that she has the context for all the memes Mm -hmm. 10 fucking years later. Uh, uh, before we come back from this mid-episode break, just a, a, an actor's note for Thunder McQueen. Mm, yeah. uh, his Japanese voice is the dub actor for Jonah Hill and Zach Galifianakis. Oh, shit. Okay. So, so yes, in the action, uh, both of the characters in this room are being hung uh, uh, by themselves or another. And uh, White Snake, the memory of White Snake in this CD, in this toilet, just monologuing through it. Just... Hey, McQueen. (laughs) Like, it's said like three or four times in this little memory that's playing on the disc in the toilet, almost one after another, to the point where it feels like very deliberate, like Mm -hmm. mocking by White Snake. You suck ass. Everyone hates you. This this one's an actual direct quote. You're what's referred to in certain circles as the worst. (laughs) That makes me laugh so much. (laughs) This super evil stand just saying, you're the worst, McQueen. (laughs) But that's why we're best buddies. McQueen. (laughs) When I do it, I just sound sleepy, I think. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. It's so fucking funny. Grub. (laughs) Let's get some grub. McQueen. But Hermes is, of course, too busy passing the fuck out to care about the noise coming from the toilet bowl. Yeah. But what she does is she manages to to stretch out her, her hand and slap a sticker on the belt. Mm-hmm. Then tear the, the, the sticker off the belt so this new belt slams into the old belt and the shock of it snaps the belt uh, uh, and good old thunder uh, uh, falls to the ground safe. Yeah, she realizes, ah, shit, other people have weird shit going on with them just like me. That sucks. (laughs) And McQueen goes, oh, did you just help me? Did you just save my life? Thank you so much. And Hermos gets up and just screams like, what the fuck is wrong with you, you dick? Uh, (laughs) Well, for a moment, she also gets blushy when he's That's true, she does, yeah, yeah. 
And McQueen just says, oh, thank you. I won't ever do that ever again. Thank you. I owe you for saving my life. One day, I'll, I swear, I'll repay you for your kindness. And yeah, that's when Hermes gets a little blushy. And then it's a hard cut to him uh, drowning himself in the big sink, the slop sink in the, the bathroom. And so now Hermes is also drowning through stand propellers. Uh, uh, they, they form around and uh, uh, fill with water around her, her face, her mm. mouth and nose. And uh, uh, also, like, extend a pseudopod to flip her upside down so she's in the same position yep. as as McQu- McQueen <laughs> uh, 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 dunking himself in, in the big, like, laundry wash sink here. Uh, and now she has drifted too far away to, like, reach him with stickers or anything. So she does the coolest shit. This is... yeah. It's so gross, but so smart. She slaps a sticker on her own nose to duplicate a second nose, this one outside the drowning zone, yeah. to breathe and not drown. I love the way the animation like emphasizes and draws attention to the fact she has a second nose because like she's really like loudly breathing through the duplicate nose, and it sounds like when a cartoon character gets really mad and like you can hear steam coming out of their <laughs> nose. Like that's what it sounds like. So so now the jig is up, basically. The MO here is that Thunder McQueen is I'm kind of afraid of sounding like the the snooty country club guy from King of the Hill. Sure. <laughs> he is comedy suicidal. Yes. And uh uh his stand will uh uh pass on that same death to his target. Mm-hmm. And in a strange bit of unfortunate, like, resonance, Alexander McQueen, his namesake, would kill himself in oh. the year 2010. Oh my god. What the fuck? That's, that's spooky. That's that is spooky. actual spooky. Yeah. Wow. I had no idea about that fact. That's spooky. Huh. But yes, that is, yeah, that, that's what's going on with McQueen. The episode is kind of playing all of his suicide attempts like a black comedy would. Yes. Like it is. The, the hard cut to him drowning himself is meant to evoke laughter. Like It is naturally a very dark comedy, but it is played as super goofs all the same. Yeah. And, and yeah, the hard cut to him drowning himself is just really well executed comedy. Editing. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'll never do that again. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, him just being ass up in the air immediately, drowning, it, yeah. Like, he'd already been drowning for several seconds somehow, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I, I can totally understand someone not connecting with this episode on its its uh, conceptual level. Yeah. But in the, the technical chops from which they deliver it, it's, it's got it. It's there. Oh, yeah. And so after, like, Hermes you know, saves his life again by mm-hmm. while she's floating upside down. The only thing she can reach is a mop. Thankfully, it's a long mop and she winds up with it and hits him real hard to knock him out of this slop sink, <laughs> saving him. Hermes looks back over at the toilet with a disc in it and she just realizes whatever's going on here, it has something to do with this disc. So she snatches it out of the toilet and hides it in her, sh- in her shirt. Mm-hmm. McQueen. She tears open her stitches and puts it in her cash pocket. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> McQueen is crying again. <laughs> no, fuck. It's the Wasana songs. Mr. Wasana song is the version I was. I got. I got the minor King of the Hill character name oh, wrong. I'm shit. so sorry. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And McQueen is crying, tears streaming down his face. 
and says, I told you I'd pay you back, but a piece of trash like me can, you know, never o- own up to that promise. I might, you know, I might as well just die right here. And Ermis just is fed up, screams at him. I never want to be your friend. I'll never save your life again. In fact, if you come near me another time, I will kill you myself. Oh, if I was going to be murdered, I'd want it to be someone like you. <laughs> yes. And so that's Ermis... what that song's about, the Adele song. That's that's mm. what you, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so Ermis just leaves. Fuck this. <laughs> yeah, because like she's gotten a clean bill of health. She is uh, uh, released. So she mm-hmm. flashes her papers to the guard like, hey, put, put me back in, in the regular prison. I'm gone. Uh, she, she runs out and like, oh, hi, Emporio. <laughs> Fancy meeting you here. Yeah. Also, what, like while she's running away, we get one more thing with McQueen. Like he realizes he thinks he saw her put a disc away somewhere mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he's just like if i feel like that disc belongs to me she probably wouldn't give it to me though hmm but yeah this is when Hermes is running down the stairs runs right by emporio stops goes what the fuck a kid and emporio is just like you know throwing his baseball at the wall and catching it and it is time for emporio to give her all the information she missed by sleeping through the last two or three episodes yes uh, Emporio knows all about stands somehow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He knows all about how stand users are drawn to each other. It's just a part of the whole package deal. And he knows that the Goop Man, uh, when he produces a CD, uh, uh, everyone has two CDs in them that uh, comprise their heart. And uh, the the equation goes heart equals stand plus memory. <laughs> yes. I wonder what it's like for normal people without stands. Is it just the memory disc, I guess? I, guess, I don't know. I don't mm. know. We'll find out, I'm sure. Yeah. Or we won't, and we'll just, uh, uh, <laughs> like, theory craft about it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But yes, uh, Emporio's, you know, explaining this whole thing with the discs and White Snake, and that's when Ermis pulls out, oh, you mean, what, like, one of these discs? And Emporio's just like, oh, a disc! <laughs> um, and yeah, he's jazzed because he wants to look at this memory disc and see if there's any clues to figuring out who the user of white snake is you know the guy that killed his mom yeah and reduced her to loose sacrums and dissolved her in acid maybe <laughs> yeah but no no more time for for theorizing about that because Ermes's arm is uh being cut in multiple places and large amounts of blood are gushing out and then and her then arm electricity starts... just bursts into sparks yeah and so, obviously, McQueen must be uh, cutting and electrocuting himself. Uh, and this is when Emporio busts out a lot of electricity facts. Yeah, yeah. You can't just electrocute yourself to death by laying a, a bare wire around you. Uh, your, your skin isn't conductive enough. Now, if you had, I don't know, maybe some salt water. Uh, oh, wait, is that the ocean out the window? Hmm. That, mm-hmm. that could up that quotient. And Aramis is like... Fuck the ocean. He's in the medical ward. Saline solution is what you're talking about. It's full of that shit. Yep. And so she books it to try and stop him from, you know, killing himself again and therefore killing her. And so she finds him all wrapped up in in like a, a bare wire like a Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. And he's dumping jugs of, of saline solution over his head. Yep. Like, she was just barely in the room, a bit too far away from him to, like, get him with a sticker or anything. No stand powers for this part of the fight. Let's just try to talk a man down from suicide. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Uh, so we, we hear him out. We listen to his backstory. He's in prison because he was at home cleaning his gun and it, it accidentally went off. Welcome to Florida. Mm-hmm. And what, and he shot, uh, uh, out the window and hit a woman who was jumping off the 11th floor just as she was passing by his balcony, his apartment on the 10th floor. And this, uh, one in a billion story was not found particularly likely by the DA. And he was instead indicted on charges of going up to the 11th floor, yep. shooting this woman, and then throwing her off the balcony as part of a cover up. Mm-hmm. And like the whole time he's giving his backstory, he's got like the little switch for turning on th- this wire that's plugged in. And he's yeah, just it, like it looks like he just stripped the wires out of an electric blanket, maybe. Yeah, that yeah, because it's just it a like. cable that goes to a switch that goes to a wire. That, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like the whole time, he's just like rubbing his thumb over this switch, like he could flip it any second. Yeah, he's just talking about how, uh, you know, I might as well end it all. How can anyone be? you know, this fucking unlucky to accidentally blast a lady killing herself with a shotgun and get thrown in prison for something I didn't mean to do. And so he's about to flip the switch and Ermis is extremely desperate. And it's like, uh, uh, hmm. Well, hey, how could you be so unlucky if, uh, you're about to get freshly worn panties? You gotta be (laughs) lucky to get some of those, right? Right. Oh no, they're coming off right now. Woohoo! This is your lucky day. I haven't read the suicide hotline uh, uh, manual, but I don't think this is in there. No, I don't. uh, I mean, for one thing, it's kind of hard over the phone. I guess you'd have to get a mailing address, but (laughs) I, I'm not sure. And there's like a, a little comedy beat here where she's like pulling the the side of her pants down just a little bit. And, like, we're just seeing this awkwardly framed shot of McQueen and, like, a single drop of so, Sorry, what's his name? McQueen. I'm sorry, Thank I fucked you. up. <laughs> I mispronounced it. Uh, and McQueen uh, just has, like, there's just a beat where nothing happens. And then it's just punctuated by, like, a single drop of saline solution just, like, dripping off his little mm-hmm. his little bang. He's like, oh, shit. You want to give those to me? <laughs> And so this isn't quite working, so she tries another tack. She's just like, you know, the sun will come up tomorrow, bet your bottom dollar, basically. Like, hey, you know, Monday sucks, but uh, uh, we always know there's there's a Saturday coming. And he shuts that down with, I shot that woman on a Saturday. My life sucks because of Saturdays. <laughs> yeah, it's it's also a pretty funny beat of just like, that. that part's pretty funny, too. And he just goes on to say, hey, you're trying to say something good that gives me courage, which I appreciate, but I think you're just saying that so you don't die, (laughs) which makes it not nice to say, because you're pretending to care about me and you don't, so that means I should kill myself. So (laughs) then she she switches to just being confrontational, like, okay, yeah, that's part of it, and also, if you don't stop this right the fuck now, I will end your ass <laughs> yeah and wouldn't you know it that doesn't work either uh, uh none of these approaches have done anything so he flips the switch the both of them get zapped together but of course uh, uh she, she's been inching ever closer ever closer and with one big uh extension was able to slap a sticker onto his jaw 
So so uh big old Thunder McQueen has two thunder heads. Yep. Uh and before the electricity can kill either one or the both of them, it burns away the sticker. So the two heads slam together violently, knocking him out. And I guess also shorting out the cable because the yeah. electricity goes dead in the same moment. Yeah. And he's like burnt to a crisp. Uh, and Ermis is fucked up, but pretty okay. Uh, also, mm-hmm. I like when she's getting electrocuted, she just has random propellers just jutting out of different parts of her face. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, and when he uh, gets knocked out, the stand disc in his head like ejects and then like forcibly ejects like it gets shot out of his head like he's an action figure that shoots pizza pies like the the ninja turtle Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. figurines did after his defeat this is when we finally start to see Ermus's actual stand take take form you know how when we talked about stone free we were saying that like there's a lot going on but it looks unified and busy because it has a simple (laughs) uh, uh color palette yeah yeah, uh, so Hermes's stand is named Kiss or Smack in in the English localization, mm-hmm. and uh, that that last bit, no, Mm-mm. this is the polar. So okay, there's so many Take, colors on this boy. <laughs> let, let's imagine a slightly muscular, masculine-looking humanoid stand. Yes, with no features yet. Just just imagine it has gold skin, and it has kind of a hierophant green face with the eyes, no nose. Mm-hmm. K- kind of like um, Spice Girl's face, actually. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Now, coat him head to toe in glue and throw him <laughs> in a junk jewelry drawer and pull him out. That is Kiss. <laughs> that uh-huh, is Kiss. Uh-huh. Uh, the, the crown of its head has the like ball end spikes, like like Cinderella uh, yep. as a previous stand that had the sort of noggin random stickers all over the the forehead and cheeks uh a a light pink scarf that mm-hmm. that uh uh is sort of a, a dual layer collar around the neck that then becomes a banner down the center line of the the torso that spells out in plain letters k i s s that like we I, I guess the english voices are going to call this thing smack but it's clearly labeled kiss yeah like the the middle also, band also all the smoochy lips all over it mm. yeah the middle band is alternating between basically really big buttons that spell kiss and in between each letter are more smoochy stickers and like the middle band is lined by like purple beads <laughs> it really looks like it came out of an arts and crafts store this stand mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and yet it's not the stand arts and crafts it's it's got upper arm bands kind of like its user which is a, a fun thing yeah which are again the the light pink with with the smooch logo it's forearms have green caps yeah if there's anything i could do to change the stand i would get rid of the green caps yeah i would get rid of the green caps so that the color scheme is just that gold and like pinkish purple yeah i don't think we need a fourth main color here or or like a a second highlight color yeah just the like you can keep the green on its eyes i guess though i kind of wonder what it would look like if it had the, the darker purple for its eyes instead and of course as as is practically universal uh it's got little like steel gray knuckle caps yes yep you got a punch. You got a punch. 
So yeah, this this thing that we had a whole fight with it just being an ability is also a guy. It's and also a guy. in in the future we'll see what what is up with the guy. Yeah. If the if the guy is just like a slightly longer distance delivery mechanism for the stickers, pro- mm-hmm. probably in a lot of cases is my guess. But I, it it'll do some punching, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, and that is the end of today's three episodes. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the last thing that Hermes does is remember. Oh right. There's a fucking buried treasure hunt in here. There's $5,000 with nobody yes, coming for yeah. it. But me, hell yeah. Mm. Oh, and she also decides, because uh, when she was talking to Emporio earlier, Emporio straight up mentions, hey, Jolene's got like a whole thing she's trying to do and hunt down this guy. And mm-hmm. she wanted me to check on you to see if you have stand powers and if you'd be interested in helping. <laughs> and... uh yeah, the, the very last thing she thinks at the end of the episode is, I've got questions, and I've got to see this Jolene. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that is the the actual end. I, I don't like the look of Kiss. I yeah. I almost I mean, wish Kiss was just the sticker. Yes, yes, exactly that. Yeah. Though. Or like, we, a we, goofy we, little thing that yeah. dispensed, like, so, something more in the vein of Manhattan Transfer, as far as, like, if you're categorizing stands by by their, their look, you know? yeah an object and not a dude you know yeah i do enjoy that the stickers are just dispensed from the cotton her hand her hand i think that's cool that's a lot of fun yeah that is cool but if her stand had to have a physical form other than the sticker it would be cute if it were just some type of little like arts and craft store doodad that deploys stickers for her or something mm-hmm. instead of just being like oh you have a punch ghost on top of the, the actual sticker power which i will say the actual ability of the stickers is really fun yeah, it's it's definitely the a, a puzzle solving stand, which is yeah the the sort of stand that uh, has the most potential for really clever and and fun fights. Yeah, and it, she it's, gave herself a second nose. That's yeah, some cool shit. That's really cool. Along with certain other stands that I really like, like ability wise, it's one of those ones where like the rules are pretty clear cut, but same time you could do a whole lot of different stuff with that mm-hmm. one rule like make things they slam back together into one that alone can do so many things i mean like several stands before it that's a whole indie puzzle game right there yes yes like there's already like ways that Hermes could potentially travel great distances with that if she made a duplicate of something and then was far away from it, and then pulled the sticker off and held onto the object, she could get dragged along with it, you know? Yeah, yeah, she, she Stuff can do like the Josuke uh, shuffle. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So these these three episodes, like I said at the beginning, mm-hmm. are three single-episode fights. Two of them are against the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But they yeah. are very different fights, essentially. I really like the reveal of that whole first stand fight with John Gallier being a dream. This does break Araki's most cardinal rule. It was just a dream. Ah, mm, that's true. And I think if, if, if I were to write in, mm-hmm. or if there is like, this example came up in, you know, manga and theory practice, uh, uh, second edition, uh, uh, it would be that the things that matter still mattered. They still learned how Manhattan Transfer works. Yep. They had that moment of of uh, Jojo choosing to go inside uh, uh, and yeah. Jotaro seeing her do it. Yeah. And like also the dream itself wasn't like 
nothing happened. It was like escaping the dream was something happening. The dream itself was a stand fight mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that they, they successfully like won by waking up. So like he said, there's always exceptions. <laughs> but the whole like, hey, this entire fight or episode was a dream and we were being essentially devoured or melted during the dream. Oh, shit. It's a dream in a dream. Ah, fuck. Reminds me of that X-Files episode where almost the exact same thing happens, but with the underground mold. Do you remember mm-hmm, that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that? Like, when I watched this the first time that happened, I was like, oh, fuck, it's like the episode of the X-Files I really like. Also very gooey. Very gooey. <laughs> also really gooey, yeah. And also, like, a stand that just makes you dream and you can ha- and you get tricked into thinking you're having a different stand fight is cool. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I like that. But yeah, we've got a a stand that is just acting as an independent agent floating around yeah. uh, free through the, the walls that cannot hold it because it is a ghost. Mm-hmm. That's fun. That yeah. is fun. I, I do really like uh, a major antagonist stand appearing and you have no idea who the fuck the user is. That That is cool. I mean, this is the first time we've seen a, a villain present themselves initially right yeah since since part two part two keeps coming up but like that that's not the the jojo formula for as much as there is one you know yeah the, yeah you don't see the villain's face or ability until like the halfway point mm-hmm. yeah and to see it's like dream making and like soul stealing abilities right off the bat essentially is interesting and yeah, also the, out of the, these three episodes, I mean, I just really like Hermes, so seeing her do stuff, always a treat for me. But I just like the the relationship stuff between Jolene and Jotaro. I like it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They both clearly want a positive relationship that they've never had, and it seems like never really tried until now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like one of the ways they're alike is that they will not say so. <laughs> <laughs> yes like jolene definitely like the these episodes really do contrast like the personalities of jolene and jotaro a lot but there's also yeah some clear similarities between the two of them mm-hmm, uh mm-hmm. and like while it's a bit more like teenage rebellious than jotaro was even in Stardust crusaders it still feels a little bit like jotaro in the way that she just like will not fucking take bullshit <laughs> and yes, she just gets yes. fed up with this shit and just wants to punch people in the fucking face rather than just like muttering to himself and walking away (laughs) yeah thank you all for for joining us on our second stone ocean episode here are some outdated plugs because again we we record pretty well in advance i think i mentioned in this episode Mm -hmm. i'm talking to you from october but uh, uh if you go and check out the seventh episode of the you can't scare me podcast you will hear the two of us talking talking about night of the living dummy the goosebumps book because that's what you can't scare me is about it it is a goosebumps read slash watch podcast we we did not get to watch the canadian television program (laughs) because there isn't one for the first dummy book they skipped that one yeah uh uh, but we did have have a good time reading and talking about uh the the origins of slappy the mascot of the series Mm mm-hmm the the last third of that book is wild and you should you should listen to hear us react to, to that shit because it is something mm-hmm, mm-hmm. also uh trying trying to call a shot because 
by the time you hear this, mm-hmm. I've been assured that the uh, uh, Mouse Guard uh, uh, Six Feet Under finale episode is up. The story of the Winter War of 1149, as experienced in by our characters, uh, is out and available, and I'm really proud of it. I'm really happy with it. Heck, the first epilogue episode might also be out by now. I'm going to spend this very afternoon uh, uh, <laughs> adding the music tracks to it, hopefully. So, <laughs> so, so go check those out. I'm, I'm really happy with them and, and really glad to have it yeah. uh, uh, finish in a way that I can be proud of and that that... I don't know. This isn't the venue to talk about my feelings on this ep- this episode <laughs> that I'm plugging, but trust me, I have them, and I would like you to share in them by, by yeah. going and, and listening to that. Uh, and then, I mean, Gangster Life would have already happened by this it episode. It would have happened. Never mind. Never mind. Well, uh, if you missed out on that Gangster Life, go to our YouTube channel where those uh, that were all those that will be archived in chunks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean the. The stream is over, but the donation link will still be live by this point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah that'll, that'll definitely still be up. So if you missed out then, feel free to donate. Mm-hmm. Here's another cult shot. Mm-hmm. We will have had a fantastic time. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm excited to do this again. It's been too long. You haven't seen our new place either. So like... That's true. Yeah. Uh, it's much better for a dog to hang out in in our previous Yeah, this place. will be the first Gextra Life with a dog. We, yeah. we got a sitter for the last one. Mm-hmm. We do have hardwood floors, though, so we'll hear lots of tappy-tappies when, when Moki's walking around, I assume. But that's fine. Well, yeah, that's how people know we're not lying. She's <laughs> generally very quiet. Okay. <laughs> but uh, we are going to be back uh, in the present timeline uh, with the next three episodes next week. Episodes seven through nine. There's six of us, Foo Fighters, and Debt Collector Marilyn Manson. <laughs> You want to talk about a distasteful subject? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, until then, see you later, folks. To be continued. I've been talking to people all night. <laughs> you sound a little tired. I've got I've got the smooth voice that comes with talking way too much and being up too late. <laughs>